If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it appears it appears that we have reached a deal in Congress. We've reached a deal in Congress to put an end to the, I don't know, the pork. Uh, well, <laughs> there's a lot of things in this bill, but some of these things that had nothing to do with economic recovery have been at least addressed insofar as the Senate... Democrats and the White House, and of course the Senate Republicans have agreed this now. This now needs House approval. And uh, I said we appear to have a um, a deal here because of Justin Amash, Justin Amash, and the House of Representatives um, bringing up some questions. They, they're trying to do this via uh, something called unanimous consent, which can of course be undone if one single member of uh, the House of Representatives doesn't want to go along with it, and Justin Amash has mentioned some things, but we appear to be really close here. By the way, welcome to the program. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Show. Should you want to watch the program live or on demand as, yes, long as Facebook allows us to do that. By the way, I should tell you, I should tell you, the past two days we've had some issue with the Facebook audio, I believe that's addressed now. Oz is shaking her head yes, so I'm going to assume that it is. But if it's not, someone let me know. Someone let me know out there. Oz let me know as well, but I had to do a little test. You know, there's one way to test Facebook Live, I learned, and that's to do a t- uh, Facebook Live. If someone knows how to do that um, without doing that, let me know, but... Um, so there was a little short 30-second video of me saying there's nothing in this video worth listening to other than me trying to see if our audio levels are back. So I think we're good to go. Have no idea. I literally I literally unplugged things, plugged them back in, and it changed the feed. So I have no idea what the root cause was, but it appears that we are now – we're now back at it. So um, this is a $2 trillion trillion stimulus relief bill for this coronavirus economic crisis that we now find ourselves in the midst of. Everybody trying to find their way, feel their way through this. All sorts of emotions. I mean, emotions are everywhere, right? I mean, you've got, you think about this, just a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, we, we knew that this was coming to the United States. We just didn't know in what 
in what degree and really what that would mean. I don't think many of us were prepared for some of the drastic early steps. I mean, when you start seeing professional sports leagues canceling or postponing seasons, the NCAA, uh, you know, canceling their NCAA, their, their men's basketball tournament, their women's basketball tournament, when those things start happening, they get gets the attention of, of the average person because none of us have seen this sort of thing before. None of us has seen this sort of thing before. It takes a while to process it. This idea of coronavirus. Um, of course, we're trying to. We, there's a lot of legitimate questions out there that I think still haven't been addressed or haven't been answered. I should say. How about that? Answered satisfaction to, to satisfaction. And you know, there's questions about how's this different from the flu? What's coronavirus? Why is this any different than other things that we've seen? It's it's more contagious. They tell us. Uh, up to three times. The body doesn't have natural immunity because being a novel coronavirus, a new virus, we haven't had any way to build up immunity over the course of of our lifetimes. And so this becomes uh, more dangerous if you get it because there's really no way to fight it off, at least from, a, I guess, an immunity standpoint naturally. So then you're left to see what the symptoms are there's all sorts of questions about how this thing is transmitted. You'll hear, I mean, if you read, if you read the news, you'll find all sorts of information. Then you hear information about the drugs. You, you see Trump come out and start touting some of these drugs as potentially promising. Science says, well, we're not going to get into that. Dr. Fauci says, I can't say something's going to work until I have data to support that. Of course, ironically, Look, and, and I get it. I, scientists have come at this uh, from a you know you have to you have to prove it with with the data. Um, ironically, that's not how we look at certain other political issues like climate change. I don't want to get into that, but the data the data says the drug did work, right? So a scientist like Fauci is not going to say that the, the drug worked until it has been proven to work. For those first patients taking the drug and it works, it doesn't matter that it hasn't worked before. What matters is that there's reason to believe that it might or very well may or a certain combination of drugs. There's all this stuff to process, right? And it's really it's, it's, it's on, on overload. And on top of all that, we got the economic stuff. We've got people out of work. We've got people you know, home with kids, homeschooling. <laughs> Thinking about some of my friends. I got a good friend who's now apparently a full-time homeschool teacher. Uh, which just makes me laugh as I think about this. Great guy. Uh, sure, he's doing a good job. It just It's just funny. A couple of weeks ago before this, he probably would have said, my wife was crazy uh, for staying home and homeschooling with the, uh, the kids, and, and now he's he's taking it up. So there's just been drastic changes, right, in our in our day-to-day lives. And now we've got this, uh, this, this package, this bill. Supposedly, after a couple of attempts now, after a couple of... Uh, attempts to block it by the the democrats after lots of negotiation they they still block this thing twice finally finally appearing to have reached a deal here in this financial package against two trillion dollars i'm going to read a screenshot i took earlier from fox the the bill includes rush on direct checks to americans I think it's $1,200 a person who earns under $75,000. That's what it was. I think I saw that again this morning. Some numbers have changed 
uh, back and forth. I don't know yet if the $500 per child deal is still in there. I've, I've read a couple of things and didn't see that. But again, there's so much in this. Um, I'll have to confirm that. Expand unemployment assistance, emergency loans to small business. Stabilize key national industries. You'll uh, see uh, things like the airlines, for example, or um, air shipping companies have have money allocated specifically for them. And then strict oversight for large corporations. Again, this is a massive bill. So that's just kind of the, the bullet points here that I'm looking at on Fox News um, as that's playing here in the background. Meanwhile, yesterday, the Dow saw the biggest single day of point gains ever, 2,112-point increase. Now, that's of course, can be deceiving in a sense because we've also just seen recently the quickest uh, 30% point drop in in the Dow in history, uh, which was 30% over, I think it was 22 or 23 days, even surpassing the free fall the economy was in back during the Great Depression. Of course, there are – it's a different environment. What's interesting about this and, and – I was asked about this yesterday on another program that I get interviewed on uh, on Tuesdays, which I've considered playing some of those interviews or parts of those interviews on this show because it's it's a little different feel um, for those of you that listen every day uh, than, than the normal program for me to be able to you know just talk about things and kind of a conversation with folks. So I've thought about doing that. Maybe we will at some point. But this two thousand uh, point gain is is a big deal, but we've also had some dramatic dramatic losses. But what's interesting is that the economy, the economy is fundamentally strong right now. All the the panic and so forth that we see isn't because of fundamental problems. In fact, the economy was roaring along at or near all-time highs for the Dow and other um you know other uh, measures for the stock market, consumer confidence was was high, and all these good unemployment was low. The economy is in good position. The, the markets were in good position, and then this, and then this. So the fundamental concerns in the economy aren't really there. What are there? What is there? Is this fear? This fear caused by coronavirus and what that means, and of course, just some of the. I guess, responses that governments have made. Um, Again, not saying that they shouldn't have been made, not saying that these actions are not justifiable, uh, but they're not the long-term solution. And that's what what Trump mentioned yesterday when he mentioned uh, getting back to business maybe as early as Easter, which we'll talk about here as the program comes together. But, um, you know, there's what happens when when this passes through, let's say this passes through quickly, eight to 10 weeks, something like that. I don't know. I can't predict, predict these things, or at least we have a good handle on it in certain areas. The economy um, and, and investors have had a chance to take a deep breath. They've, they've been somewhat relieved by this package, which again, I'm not, look, you have mixed, mixed thoughts and feelings, at least I do, on a package like this. Um, there's some, uh, no one likes to see numbers like this, this, you know, in in one sense, we have no business spending, you know, we don't have this money, but the federal government has an ability, um, 
to do things the private sector the states can't do, which is basically create money, which is not a good thing. I'm not defending that. But if there's ever been a time uh, to justify to justify extreme actions like this, one could certainly, I think, make the argument that this is the point in time to do that. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of thoughts on that. But bottom line, this is where we are. This will provide some relief to families, to workers, to businesses, and it will help us weather this this short-term storm that we are embarking on now and that we're about to further embark upon. As as the numbers are still going to go up, as it's going to uh, – there are going to be other hot spots besides the state of New York, besides New York City, uh, more than likely anyway, or at least this is going to push around the country and move through at different different times and in different ways in different communities, uh, depending upon a myriad of factors. We're just trying to mitigate this and, and manage this to some point. But if the economy and business has confidence, if unemployment, if, if the workers, uh, if we don't have mass layoffs, long-term layoffs and, and unemployment, and we can weather this quickly, then that's a good sign. And you wonder what will happen. What will happen to the, say, the market? What will happen in the economy? Because there's dire predictions by, uh, you know, second quarter GDP. That I mean, we're talking about all-time <laughs> record lows as far as uh, gross domestic product is concerned for second quarter. And that's a – I mean, that's all these folks are predicting at this point. Really, really atrocious numbers because of this. I mean, it's come you know, to a complete standstill. But what's interesting is and what's encouraging is it's not because of some fundamental flaw in the economy. It's because of some external fear and factor. Now, there's other underlying financial uh, concerns that we have in this economy, uh, namely the inability of, of individuals and businesses to deal with a crisis like this uh, through their own means, whether we haven't saved enough or in too much debt, those sorts of things. Um, but this is still largely something that's fueled by fear of an unknown, by fear of something that can kill Americans, that is killing Americans. And so what happens when this passes through? Does the market come roaring back? Is it a slow uh, climb back? Does it flatline for a while? I, who knows? I don't predict stuff like that. But certainly the case could be made that the markets can come roaring back, which of course I was asked yesterday, what does that mean about Trump's political chances in 2020 and all that kind of stuff? And um, certainly could could play a factor in the election. By the way, you, you don't see the candidates. You don't see Joe Biden. I'm not saying the Democrats want any of this stuff going on, but they are happy with the the one consequence, which is Joe Biden is not out there on stage talking to 14 people in his crowd every night. He's able to not have to campaign. He's kind of not you know not in the limelight, not talking about his wife being his sister, his sister being his wife, not telling stories about corn pop, uh, not telling us about how he liked how the little kids rubbed the hair on his legs, not sniffing some woman's hair. <laughs> Whatever else Biden's out there, out there doing, not calling the declaration that thing. We go on and on with Biden, not telling 
Uh, Chuck, who was confined to a wheelchair to stand up, as he did in the past. Th- these are the things that they don't have to deal with because this everything's kind of on pause or has fallen into the background here as we wade our way through coronavirus. So more on this when we get back. But as it now stands, right now, it appears it appears that the House and Senate have, or excuse me, the White House and the Senate have agreed on this two trillion dollar stimulus package, and that. Uh, there's some uncertainty because of Justin Amash in the House right now, but but it appears they're announcing that they've they've reached a deal and they're starting to tell us what's what all's in this, which we'll kind of comb through here after the break. But I've got to take a quick time out. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. By the way, should mention this program is brought to you by the good folks, the good folks at Freegee and Freegee Auctions, Auction and Marketing. We, TJ and I, have been friends for Gemini over twenty years, which is hard to imagine. Heck, maybe over twenty-five years. Yeah, approaching thirty years. Gee whiz, how old am I? But Freegee and Freegee Auctions and Marketing, they are, um, you know, they, they have a whole variety of auctions from real estate auctions to firearms auctions, estate auctions, other types of auctions. You can find out more by visiting visiting their website, FreegeeAuctioneers.com, F-R-E-I-J-E, FreegeeAuctioneers.com. You can see what their upcoming auctions are. Sometimes you're able to bid online, so it doesn't even matter where you are in this wonderful country. But if you're in Indianapolis metro area, it's a short trip down US 40, just west of Indianapolis a bit. And you can go straight into the auction house and experience it firsthand, which is usually a lot of fun. There's no dull moment around those guys. So anyway, check them out, freegeauctioneers.com, F-R-E-I-J-E, auctioneers with an S, dot com. So let's look a little bit. Um, we're still figuring out what um, what's in this specifically, specifically in this uh, this piece of legislation that's been approved by the Senate. The White House is ready to move on it as well, but we're waiting on the House. And so I mentioned first segment that there is um, there's a mechanism, I guess, that uh, Speaker Pelosi can use. And that is unanimous consent, just a voice vote. But if someone um, – if, if there's not unanimous consent, this can be, of course, problematic. And I mentioned Justin Amash. Justin Amash raising questions about this that, that caused people to think maybe he's not on board, which would ruin that. So then Nancy Pelosi could convene the House to vote uh, tomorrow or potentially Friday on this legislation. That being said, uh, that being said, she could also introduce a new bill, and that's not completely out of the question. So they could – I mean, look, she's – she's. Uh, there's a lot going on there. As, as I shared yesterday, there's a couple of, of things happening here, and one of them is uh, politics. Politics is unavoidable here, and I don't – look, I don't – this might maybe surprise you. I don't like politics. What's been uh, 
what we now term as as define as politics today, which is really trying to create something uh, for the optics for the effect. I don't I don't like that. That's not that's not not how I operate. In fact, reminds me uh, back years ago shared this story yesterday in our conversation with um, with Indy, the gentleman who who I interview with every every Tuesday. But when I was in, I don't know, I was a younger man. I was working with a youth group at a church, and I remember the youth pastor and I kind of, we were good friends, but we kind of had some, some back and forth on some things from time to time, all in good fun. But also sometimes we would disagree, of course. And I remember one time he was telling the students to, um, you know, make sure people uh, do this so that people see see Jesus, which isn't bad. I'm not saying that that's that's a bad thing, but I I just felt like too much emphasis was put on putting on was being put on the so that people see part. See my I, I said my the reason I think we should do something is because it's the right thing, and not because I want people to see. I don't want some other desired effect, right? And so that that this to me is a really key difference, and this is why politics rubs me the wrong way because it's rarely about doing the right thing. It's about doing something so that you can get some sort of a benefit from the payoff of what it appears to be, even if it's not that at all. That's why they name these pieces of legislation the, you know, Save All Children from All Bad Things Act, right? They name these things in in such a way that you cannot oppose it because then they just go out to the, the airwaves and to the interviews and they say, oh, well, you were against the you know, whatever you want to say, whatever the name of the legislation is, even if that legislation dealt with that particular issue, 2%, and there's a bunch of other spending, as we saw with Nancy Pelosi, what they were what they were wanting to cram in this thing, all sorts of liberal uh, utopian dreams, fantasy world, these things that they want to put in here for long-term, uh, long-term changes to our system here, our type of government and so forth ongoing long term whatever but optics i think i think if you do the right thing then it just becomes a matter of communicating it and explaining and articulating it that's where it becomes leadership so just as i thought you know again if you're a christian i'm not saying you shouldn't think how people view it but i am saying don't let we shouldn't let the main motivation be how are people going to interpret this we should focus on doing what's right and being prepared to articulate and explain why it is, why that is the case. And so that's where my problems with politics come. But Nancy Pelosi in the House has some legitimate problems because because they're going to have to be able to go back to their base in November or before November as they're campaigning for their candidate, who's going to be Joe Biden at this point. <clears throat> it's not going to be Bernie Sanders. It's going to be Joe Biden and they're going to have to go to the Bernie Sanders supporter, the Democrat Party is, and they're going to have to rally them to Joe Biden. And there's going to be two ways they're going to have to do that. Number one, they're going to have to demonize Trump in ways that I think we may not even have seen yet, which is hard to imagine because they've demonized this guy off the charts for a long time. Number two, besides just demonizing Trump, they're going to have to go to the Democrat base, to, to the radical base, to the Bernie Sanders voter, and they're going to have to say – they're going to have to be able to say, we tried. We tried to implement <clears throat> excuse me, these utopian policies, these socialist policies in this 
Even in the stimulus bill, Nancy Pelosi tried, and it just got shot down. So the only way to get what you want accomplished is to elect Joe Biden, is to give us a Democrat Senate, and to help us keep a Democrat House. And so that's that's the part of this. I don't like to get into that because, candidly, that's not the way it should work. But, folks, it is the way that it does work, and that's how they're thinking about this. Have Make no mistake about that. That's how they're viewing that this particular issue. And so that's the calculation Nancy Pelosi is making right now. It really is, and it pains me to say that uh, because you would think you would think that in this particular time, given these unforeseen, uh, unforeseen circumstances we're facing, that she would that, that you would be willing to find some compromise and move quickly. And they may still. I hope that they do. But if they don't, it's for reasons something like very similar to or maybe exactly like what we just laid out because this is everything is political how how do they make an issue work for them how do they do that that's what they're trying to figure out here so we'll see what the house does so there's a chance that they might pass what the senate and the white house agreed on there's a chance that they may not we'll have to see what happens here i've got to take a break you're listening to conservative not better talk by the way i should tell you to should tell you too that sign up for our email newsletter, which is absolutely 100% free. We will give to you through April 30th, April 30th, uh, free access to total access where you can listen to commercial free content and hour two digitally on this program. All you have to do is go to toddhuffshow.com slash subscribe or text the word huff, my last name, H-U-F-F. Text that to 31996 and be sure to give us your email. To, uh, once we respond, there's an automatic email or a text that goes back. Just send your email and you'll be added to that list and you'll be able to sign up here very soon. But you are listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back. So yesterday, and I wanted to get to this a tad bit sooner, but yesterday, Trump did a, what do they call this, a virtual town hall on Fox News. I actually watched most, almost all of this thing. I actually made the kids, my 10, 8, and 6-year-old, sit and watch it with me as well. Realized some point into this, it was uh, maybe not the best decision, <laughs> but um, you know, I do make them. I want them to see what's going on, but it it wasn't exactly – I don't know. I don't want to say what I thought it would be, but I thought there might be more teachable moments in it, and it was just not not really uh, something that worked as seamlessly as I expected. But anyway, Trump's up here um, at, at some point with, with Bill Hemmer. So it's Trump. Let's see. Who all was up there? At first it was Pence. Pence had the first hour, I think, with Bill Hemmer, and then Trump camp comes on with Dr. Burks and with – uh, the Surgeon General, and they're all spread out for social distancing as they're sitting, uh, sitting by, by one another on that. Uh, I was gonna say on the stage, but I think they're out in the lawn outside the White House. And so there's all this talk that there's questions. Himmer asks about the timeline, right? Because Trump had just tre- uh, tweeted out over the weekend that the cure cannot be worse than the problem. 
And so this, of course, has led to speculation. Um, and you, you know, Trump's saying weeks and not months. And then, of course, people are pushing back and he's getting criticism for this. And so not only does he say weeks and not months, he even goes a little bit further than that when he talks, uh, when he says, you know, hey, we're looking, you know, he gives a timeline specifically of maybe, uh, this needs to all be predicated, but looking looking at uh, getting back to work, getting the economy moving by Easter. Here's that conversation, that back and forth with Bill Hemmer. Again, this is not at the presser. This is actually during an interview on Fox News. You said something 20 minutes ago that I'm sure a lot of people were pretty keen on. You, you said that we would, I'm paraphrasing now, you would like to be back to normal by Easter Sunday. Yes. That's 19 days from now. It's okay. Is that true? Is that possible or is I that false? I think it's possible. Hope? Why isn't it? I mean, we've never closed the country before and we've had some pretty bad flus and we've had some pretty bad viruses and I think it's absolutely possible. Now, people are going to have to practice all of the... Uh, social distancing and don't shake hands and wash your hands and all of the things that we're doing now. But we have to get our country back to work. Our country wants to be back at work. That was not a, a controversial thing I said the other day. Our country wants to go back to work. And and again, the cure, it's it's like this cure is is worse than the problem. Again, people, many people, in my opinion, more people are going to die if we allow this to continue, we have to go back to work. Our people want to go back to work. But what you have said consistently is the first order of business is to kill the virus. So so when you look at the data from around the world and across our country, how do you determine that 19 days from now it, it might be safe? Because there are millions of people watching this it, now it may who be. have their family fortune yeah. on the line. Well, they have their family fortune on the line the other way, too. They're going to lose their jobs, maybe never to get them back. They're going to lose their businesses, never to get them back. We want to start up as soon as we can because we're going to have a very quick comeback if we do that. If we delay this thing out, you're going to lose more people than you're losing with the with the situation as we know it. So I think it's very important for our country to go back. And I've had many, many people, you know, when you said it was a little bit controversial, not to most people. Most people think I'm right about it. Now, whether we're locked in a room or whether we're in our office and practicing all of the things that we're supposed to be uh, practicing, staying away from each other, you know, et cetera, it's not shaking hands, washing your hands all the time. But our country has to get back to work. Yeah, otherwise, otherwise, it's going to be very hard to start it up again. We can't lose the advantage that we have. Look, so that's that's that back and forth exchange, and there's of course more to this. In fact, Dr. Fauci is asked about this during the presser yesterday, last evening. He responds, he responds as well. But I'll have to play that after the break. But look, uh, he, he's he's right. He's not setting a, a timeline in stone, but what he is saying is that we are working to get out of this. And what do you mean? How do we know we can't be back at it in some capacity? No one's saying here, by the way, that New York City should just say, to heck with what's going on right now, go live your life. That's not what's being said here. We're looking at some point in the future. We're looking at some point in the future, uh, assuming that Americans are, are doing the things that are being prescribed by their federal government, by their state governments. We're, we're looking at 
the recovery times elsewhere. Yeah, this might be ambitious, but folks, that's what leadership is. You know, I was listening. I I think I mentioned this yesterday. I listened this morning briefly to a short snippet of Winston Churchill's speech. Winston Churchill's speech to the British as he was preparing to lead them uh, into conflict, into war with Germany. And he said, we'll fight them on the beaches, we'll fight them in the air, we'll fight them on the sea. No matter how long it takes, no matter what it takes us, I'm paraphrasing, no matter what it takes us, we're going to win this. Even if they have some successes, he said, I believe that, and I don't believe that's going to happen, but even if they do, I believe that there will be other, you know, I think he was maybe hinting at America and other folks joining in, but we're on the right side of this. We will prevail ultimately. We will do whatever it takes, pay whatever cost, face any hardship. We're going to drive through this. And look, I mean, they were facing some crazy, uh, crazy situations back then, right? We had a maniacal dictator running through Europe, everyone turning a blind eye to the reality on the land that Hitler was a crazed, evil madman. No one wanted to accept that. Chamberlain gave him half the continent. Churchill comes along and says no. And there was, he had to lead a country. He had to lead a world into dealing with, with the realities of Germany. And just like he had to lead, now look, war, I'm not saying war and dealing with this virus, but the same, the leadership that's required. What's wrong with setting some positive, optimistic projections and saying, look, this is what we're striving for. We may not get there. I don't know. We got to measure some things. We're trying to figure it out. But instead of, he said in, one, I don't know, the press conference somewhere yesterday, some of these doctors would say, let's shelter in place for months or years. Like, we can't do that. We can't shelter down for years. That's not how the economy works. That'll destroy. Of course, he's using to some degree hyperbole here, but there's also an element of truth in that. You've seen 18 months out there. He's saying, look, we're not, we're not doing that. We are going to find a way. My team is, un, is just as, just as there, are, there are two concerns here. One is to protect the lives of Americans as best we can, and that has not changed. The other is there's, they're going to get pressure. This is a message to those, to those folks that are you know, on that team to say, look, I'm not just happy and content here to sit by and let this go on indefinitely. We've got – to find a way to get this economy going again. And I defy anyone to say where he's wrong in that particular situation. He's not saying haphazardly. He's not saying with undue risk. He's just saying not this uniform, you know, endless, undefined period of time that we are going to be subjected to basically shutting everything down. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. I'd like to see it open by Easter. Easter is a beautiful time. You know, people go to church. I love people to go to church on Easter. That's what Trump's saying. And look, it may not happen, but the reality is, is that this is, we have to start pushing towards this. This has to be the goal. Whatever timeline, specific date is not really the point, but to set something out there that says we're looking at as quick a recovery as possible. Really long in this segment. Got to take a time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute.
Welcome back. So Trump said that yesterday, and he reiterated these sorts of well, this sentiment, these comments during his presser last night as well. But not only that, not only did that happen, Dr. Fauci, I don't know if I have the time, the time to play this whole thing now that I'm looking at this, but Dr. Fauci, I think I do. Hold on here. I think I was looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, here we go. So Dr. Fauci um, responds to this during the press conference as well. In fact, Trump's taking a question from John Roberts. Trump says, hey, let's, uh, let's look over here. Let's look over here and let's, let's have Dr. Fauci come up. By the way, really quickly, I don't have time to say this, but really quickly, it's tr- people act like Trump is a totalitarian dictator. But Trump hands the microphone off to these guys all the time, and they, they clearly can speak their minds because you see sometimes open dis- disagreements or at least disagreements as to how someone should have said something and that sort of thing. I mean, Fauci's at times been back there rubbing his brow and different things, not liking how Trump is saying a specific thing. But he's also on record as saying, quit trying to make there be more of a divide between me and the president as, as nec- you know, th- than there is. It's not a divide. It's, it's just he says it one way. He looks at it one way. I look at it and say we have to wait for the data. It doesn't mean that he's wrong. It just means it just means that we come about this from a different perspective. But here's Trump uh, getting a question that he passes over to Fauci, and this is Fauci's response about the Easter timeline. Get this idea of an Easter timeline, and I don't know that's probably flexible. What are the metrics by which you will make the decision as to whether you can say, yes, we can open up this area of the country, or no, we can't open up that area? I mean, will you be looking at disease yeah. numbers? Will you be looking at possible containment, isolation? What I think be we'll looking be looking at? at a lot of things. We'll also be looking again at very large portions of our country. And I will be guided very much by Dr. Fauci and by Deborah and by some of the other professionals that work with both of you. Since the president said you and Dr. Burks and others will be guiding him and making the decision, where are you now at this timeline, 19 days from now? So that's really very flexible. We we just had a conversation with the president in, in the Oval Office talking about, you know, you can look at a date, but you've got to be very flexible. And on a, on a literally day-by-day and week-by-week basis, you need to evaluate the feasibility of what you're trying to do. And, John, you asked for, you know, what kind of metrics, what kind of data. When you look at the country, I mean, obviously, no one is going to want to tone down things when you see what's going on in a place like New York City. I mean, I mean that's just, you know, good public health practice and common sense. But the country is a big country, and there are areas of the country... And I, and I refer to this in my opening remarks, that we really need to know more about what the penetrance is there. So if we do the kind of testing what we're doing, and testing will always be associated by identification, isolation, and contact tracing, and you find after a period of time that there are areas that are very different from other areas of the country, you may not want to essentially treat it as a, just one force for the entire country but look at flexibility in different areas. So I think people might get the misinterpretation. You're just going to lift everything up, and even somebody's going like that. You, I mean, that, that's not going to happen. It's going to be looking at the data. And what we don't have right now that we really do need is we need to know what's going on in those areas of the country where there isn't an obvious outbreak. So you get, you get the idea there. So this is being reported as Fauci is kind of poo-pooing. Uh, Trump's Easter timeline, which 
He said that it's got to be flexible. We don't know. He certainly said that. But he also opened up a huge uh, potential here to where he's saying, look, we don't know how this is going to affect different parts of the country. And so there doesn't have to be a uniform code applied nationwide. We can address this potentially and, and based upon where the hotspots are, where we have the biggest problem and so forth. So anyway, that's that. Now, next hour, I want to get into some uh, an article from CNN, an opinion piece that's criticizing Trump for all this talk about Easter. I think I saw where somebody even called it – I forget the word they, they use, but um, – Immoral. It was immoral. It was a congresswoman uh, that, that said that Trump saying this was immoral. But I, I'm just really long. Gonna take a break here. Looking, I listening to conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. I'm going to say here in the waning moments of hour number one that during – because of all these changes that's been happening here with coronavirus and how it's changed uh, your routine and and life and there's just uncertainties, what we've decided to do, what we've decided to do is actually stream on Facebook hour number two as well. So you can see – Oz is looking at me here. But yeah, that's what we're going to do, Oz. Hour number two will be streamed on Facebook as well which we're going to get to here in just a few minutes. So there's the music telling me it's time to wrap up. Guys, thanks for listening. SDGC in a few minutes.